Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Come participate in one of our workshops happening all across Canada. Visit our website for more details. Also head over to our website if you're interested in hosting some of the training that Preset Ministries offers. Are you interested in partnering with us in engaging people in relationship with God through monthly giving? Then be a part of our e-team. You can visit our website for more details at www.presetministries.ca. Please be aware that due to COVID-19, all of our workshops and events will be postponed until April 20th. Stay tuned to our social media, email, and website about online training and online classes. Call the office for more details anytime. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth in our discussion on the book of Hebrews. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here, and this is Unlocking the Truth podcast, and we're working through the book of Hebrews. This is our final episode on the book of Hebrews. I hope that... uh, It has been a blessing to you as much as it has been to me to walk through the book of Hebrews. I couldn't be more excited to uh, go into this week's episode uh, considering everything that is happening around us right now. Uh, This morning, as I'm recording this podcast, I am sitting in an empty building. I cannot believe that... Uh, Precept Ministries. The building is completely empty. There's no staff here right now. Uh, Usually we have a daycare here with children running around. There's nobody here because uh, in Ontario uh, they have shut down all non-essential services and that includes, if you believe it or not, it it includes the churches as well as precept. And so all of our staff are working from home to serve people all across the country. Uh, This really is unprecedented times, isn't it? This is, um, there's no other word that I can really put to this, but this is crazy, you know. Uh, What is happening in the world right now? Uh, This virus, this COVID-19 virus, is literally bringing the world to its knees, that it is stopping everything from moving forward. Uh, We have ministries in India, and they are on a 21-day lockdown right now. Uh, We are here on a 14-day lockdown. uh, People traveling back to Canada are in now mandatory isolation. They're uh, can be fined if they go out. All of this is happening to really, uh, as you know, the people are telling us in the medical world, to flatten the curve and not affect as many people uh, with the virus so that it will be a tax on the healthcare system. Uh, it is um, unbelievable that this is all happening, and it, it causes me to stop and think. Um, And then we'll dig into Hebrews, I promise. But it causes me to stop and think about what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. If this COVID-19 virus is uh, crippling economies, if it is uh, 
causing people to fear and panic and hoard groceries and things like toilet paper, which I'll never wrap my mind around that. Uh, there are psychologists who say because one does it, uh, everybody does it. So along the lines, one person thought it was important to collect all of that toilet paper, and now everybody's done it and to the point where there's no paper products in the grocery stores. I mean, this is unbelievable, folks. And I can't help but sort of um, have empathy for what's happening, but I also can't help but kind of giggle a little bit that we are um, in a time where it's just, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I'm almost speechless with what I've seen. But what's going to happen when Jesus returns? When the clouds open up and a man riding a horse is coming from heaven down to earth. I mean, all of these things are, uh, as Revelation describes, they're going to be really eye-opening. So if you think there's panic now for this virus that's going around, I mean, wait till Jesus comes back. Uh, I hope and pray that um, I get a chance to see the return of Jesus Christ. Some people think that uh, we're in that time right now where uh, Jesus is preparing to come back, that this uh, virus is a part of that. And, you know, we don't want to jump to what the Lord is doing uh, through this virus and come uh, with conclusions. But what we do want to do is we want to pray and we want to ask God that what is he showing us in this and I just wrote uh, to our e-team this week and and the challenge was you know that if God desires our hearts if he wants all of our heart all of our mind all of our soul if he wants all of that of us is this virus what is drawing us back to him uh, are we uh having an opportunity to shake and sift the church? Are we going to, at the end of all of this, see who the true believers in Jesus Christ are? As churches are not meeting on a regular basis right now, they can't meet in corporate worship within their own building. They're actually within all of their homes and watching sermons on YouTube and watching uh, live streams of their churches, uh, will we find out uh, when churches can meet again who the real church is and those who are in it? Will we also see growth within our churches because of people calling out and relying on God even more in the midst of a pandemic? It's all very interesting what is happening in the world right now. What I can tell you is that I am so thankful for all of the precept leaders that have been emailing me and encouraging me with the very fact that they're continuing to lead and finding ways to do it through online platforms. It's amazing to see all of these pictures uh, of people studying with their groups online and not stopping because of what's going on around them. It, it's really great also that all of our online classes that we launched, that we had in place 
knowing that it's quite possible that we were going to be told not to be meeting in large groups. That all the online classes we launched uh, last week and uh, started this week, they're all full. Last night I peeked in on a Breaking Free from Fear uh, class being led by one of our trainers, Sandra Lowen. Over 30 people online together in the room. Um, the little cameras, everybody's webcams, it took up two pages for you to see who was in the room. Talking with people about the fears that they have uh, going into this. Fears of catching this virus. Fears of what's going to happen to the economy. Fears of what's going to happen to the income of individual households as people are laid off from work. It's all out there, but all of the answers can be found in the Word of God. We can rest in the Word of God. And this is uh, what brings us to Hebrews. Uh, for me, I feel like the timing of Hebrews has fit so perfectly with what's going on in the world. We'll look at this more because as we've learned through Hebrews that there have been people, believers, that were facing different circumstances. They were facing um, suffering and persecution for what they believed. Some were in a time and a point and a place where they were falling back into their old ways, falling back into Judaism. Others were just completely outright rejecting the truth of the gospel and walking away from it. And the author of Hebrews, he, he walks all the way through Hebrews and he keeps saying, hold fast, stand firm, you know, have confidence, uh, listen to Jesus, enter into his rest, um, consider the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. Salvation comes by faith. All of these uh, exhortations and commandments that have come through the author of Hebrews, they all are things that we should be hanging on today as we deal with this virus. We have to fully understand that God is sovereign. God is in control. Nothing happens outside of God's permission. And therefore, how are we going to respond in the midst of this crisis? That's what the author of Hebrews addresses all the way through. So let's commit our time now to prayer and look at Hebrews chapter 13, this final chapter in the book of Hebrews. Father, we do thank you for this morning. Father, I thank you for each and every person listening to this podcast right now. Father, I pray that those who are living in and through each day, that if they're living in fear of what tomorrow will bring, that, Father, if they are concerned about the things that are going on in this world, that we would be able to be people who look back to the truth of your word, that we would be able to hang on to the promises that you have given us through these 66 books of the Bible, that, Father, you promise to never leave or forsake us. But you see, Father, we also know from our word that, from your word, that life doesn't happen without challenges. That there are things that happen in our lives that refine us, 
They help us to grow and mature and persevere. And right now, Father, we are in one of those situations. Father, I pray that as we continue to walk in a manner worthy of you, that we would remember that when we endure, the reward that is at the end of all this is great. It's eternity with you. So, Father, help us not to fear now, but help us to live according to your word. Help us to walk according to your truth. Help us to love others the way that you have called us to live. So, Father, be with us now as we walk through Hebrews 13. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's quite amazing, like I just said before, uh, we are uh, in unprecedented times. I mean, it's phenomenal. And yet, guess what, folks? Uh, Hebrews, as I said, fits right in with where we are. Hebrews chapter 13, the author has moved all the way through these 12 chapters and he has laid down doctrine. He has laid down truth after truth and called us to rely on those things and be assured of what we believe in. Uh, pay close attention to what Jesus says. And so we've come to this point now where all of this doctrine has been laid down. All of the foundation bricks have been laid. And now what the author is going to do is he is going to stay, take us into, you now have the foundation you now need to live it out. And so in these uh, few chap in these few verses, he's going to show us ways in which we can honor God through the way we live. And so that'll be the focus of what we look at today is how do we honor God through uh, the way we live? Now, even more importantly, okay, so before we dig into each verse, uh, in light of what we are in the midst of, in light of this pandemic, it is even more important for believers, true believers in Jesus Christ, to live in a way that honors God. You see, it's okay for us to have fears, but we should conquer those fears with the word of God. It's okay to be anxious, but we should be able to look back and help solve those anxieties through what we understand of the truths of the Word of God. It's okay for us to worry, but we should be looking how we can solve those issues of worry and understand what we can from the Word of God. Everything that we have and the way that we live is going to point back to the Word of God. It's even okay for us to question why God is doing what he is doing in the midst of all this so that we can learn to endure and persevere from what we see. This is a time for us to really look at our hearts, look at our actions, and determine where we stand. Now, here's the other important part we need to know. Everybody is watching the way believers respond. You see, right now, even in my own life, okay, so in my own life, we as a family, Jessica and I, we are facing one of the greatest trials in our entire life. Uh, just a few weeks ago, my father, who um, is a wonderful man, he is a believer in Jesus Christ, but he was uh, 
put into the hospital because he had a heart attack. And uh, I was teaching um, our staff study when I got a text message from my mom and it said, ambulance at the house, come pick me up. We need to go to the hospital, dad sick. That's all it said. I went to the hospital with my mom and through a number of hours, we learned one, he did not have the virus, which they thought was the first case. Two, he had a heart attack and was in congestive heart failure. Three, a few days later, the only way to solve the problem was through uh, open heart surgery. Now, my father is 77 years old. He hasn't been in the greatest health of his entire uh, in his life. He, he's been sick since he was in his 50s. He retired early, but the doctors felt this. This is the best course of action, open heart surgery to do a bypass uh, surgery. They did that, and we were told that through the bypass surgery that everything went well. Well, four o'clock in the morning, a week ago, this week, uh, they called us and said, you need to come to the hospital right away. It's not looking good for your father, and he may pass away. And we went to the hospital, and we were not knowing what was going to happen. So now, it's been a week after that initial visit to the hospital. My dad still in critical care. My dad is still in ICU, and he is clinging to his life. He is uh, now beginning to um, have some small gains where he's starting to improve a little bit. But he has still got a long road to go. There are still so many things that can happen. There are infections. There are um, issues as he's all on this life support. But you see, what's happening right now? in my life and in your life when it comes to the virus and the other things you are facing, we're now being called into action to live out the doctrine that we know. And so in my family, I have my mom who believes in Jesus, my sister who does not believe in Jesus. She does not uh, belong to the church. She went to church as a child but does not live according to the church. I have nieces and nephews from her side of the family who are not Christian, who do not live a life that brings honor and glory to God. My children who are living their life and trying to honor God in all that they do. My daughter has probably had her prayer life improved drastically as she prays for her grandfather. But you see, even in the midst of all of this, who is watching doctrine lived out? Well, my sister and my nieces and my nephews my extended family, the people who are, are a part of what's going on in this ministry and the, those who we have been sharing this great need of my father with and the things going on with the ministry and the COVID virus, all of these people are watching how we respond. Uh, the nurses and the doctors and the way that we treat them and that we honor them for the work that they're doing with my father. We thank them. Uh, we're locked out of the hospital. We cannot get there. We can call twice a day and get updates on what's going on with him. But everything that we do is, Lord willing, I hope, bleeding Jesus Christ to the world that's around us. And you see, that's what we're being called to in this, is that now, Everything that we have absorbed within doctrine, within our lives, we're now called to 
live that out in a way that other people are going to see Jesus. Uh, this is couldn't be made more clear in Hebrews chapter 13. So I have five ways in which we honor God. And so we're going to look at these five ways of honoring God. And the first comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners, as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves are in the body. Number one, the first way that we honor God is we honor God by loving others. It tells us here that this is not really a suggestion. Okay, do not, you know, maybe you shouldn't neglect to, you know, show hospitality and, you know, just do your best at, no, this is a command, an imperative that you must love the brethren. Let it continue. Love your brothers and sisters. Secondly, that you must not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Uh, This is a great um, cross-reference, and you can go back and and look at this, but Genesis chapter 18 and 19, when Abraham entertained the three men uh, before going off to Sodom and Gomorrah. So you have in Genesis 18 and 19 this example of Abram showing hospitality to these three men, and then you have these three men going off into Sodom and Gomorrah. You should go back and read those two chapters and see how this was like entertaining angels. You didn't know who was in your company, and therefore you should treat all others and show hospitality to strangers as though you are entertaining messengers of God. You shouldn't change the way you show your love and your hospitality to strangers. The other thing is that they have here is remember the prisoners, as though in prison you were with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves are the body. It's very interesting because when we were looking at Hebrews chapter 10 a few weeks ago, uh, we looked at the, but remember the former days. These people from the Hebrew um, letter that how they were living when they first came to Christ. And so I want to take us back there into Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partially by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who you were treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you yourselves are a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. You see, the message that is coming in chapter 13 isn't different than what they were doing originally. So what you need to do is you need to love the brethren. You need to show hospitality as though you're entertaining angels. You need not forget the prisoners. Continue to do the work. 
uh, I wanted to take you quickly to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and this is one of the chapters we use in our workshops, I want you to hear what uh, Paul describes of this church. Listen to this church in chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our Lord, uh, of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved, brethren, beloved by his choice of you, our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in Holy Spirit, with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you, for your sake. Now, what he's saying here is that the gospel went to the church in Thessalonica. It didn't just go in words, so Paul didn't just preach the gospel, but it went in power. When the gospel went in power... It also came with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit doing the work brought full conviction to the point where people were transformed, and you'll see later in the chapter, they were transformed from idol worshipers into true Christians, and these true Christians, what they did comes next in verse 6. It says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to what he did. They, they received the word in the midst of great tribulation. You can go back and look at Acts chapter 17 if you want to see what this great tribulation is. The gospel went forth in power with the Holy Spirit. People were convicted, so much so convicted that they used to worship idols. Now they imitate Paul, they imitate Silvanus, they imitate Timothy, but they also imitate Jesus Christ. And this is what happens when they imitate Jesus Christ. It says, you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith toward has gone forth. Um, do you know what they did? They received the gospel. They imitated Paul. And they took the gospel wherever they went. That's like Paul, isn't it? Paul in Romans said that he desired to take the gospel where it had never been spoken before. These people in the church in Thessalonica lived out their faith. They showed the love of Jesus Christ wherever their faith went. They had the doctrine. They knew the doctrine. They lived out the doctrine. So much so... That as Paul wrote this letter of encouragement and exhortation, he says, we don't have to say anything to you at all. I mean, that is profound when you think about some of Paul's other letters. Galatians, who has bewitched you, you fools? 
1 Thessalonians, we have nothing to say to you because you are running well. You are living out the truth of the doctrine. The author of Hebrews says the same thing. You know, these are the things that you need to do to live out the doctrine. Love your brethren. Show hospitality. Don't forget the prisoners. Remember the ill-treated. He also tells us that there is another way to honor God. In verse 4, he tells us that we are to honor God in marriage relationships. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers will judge. Uh, this honor, this living out, should be happening within the marriage as well, uh, not falling into sexual immorality. We honor God in our relationships with others. We honor God in our relationships with our spouses. Holding marriage high in account. Especially in times like this, it can be super stressful, can it? When you're, when you're living in your life with your um, husband and wife. Uh, Jessica and I, we, we've been joking lately. Do you know that because we have been working together for more than uh, 12 years here at Precept, but we also worked together at previous uh, uh, places of employment. We all, right now, we're all quarantined in the same house together. We're all sticking together in the same house with no place to go. And, you know, sometimes it can be stressful, but other times it's of great joy to be together. It was so great for me yesterday to take some time with my daughter to build a desk from Ikea. But here we are to hold marriage uh, in high accord. So we are to love others. We are to honor God in marriage relationships. And, and now the big one. The big one comes in uh, verse 5. We are to honor God through trusting him and being content. Ooh, how do we do that in the midst of what is going on right now? Yesterday, I had the opportunity, I, I decided to run off to the grocery store early in the morning. And the hope was that I could just kind of beat the crowd that's there. You know, there are, there are concerns that you, uh, they only allow a certain number of people to get into the grocery store at a time. And they're trying to do everything they can to protect people. But I walked into the grocery store and I just needed two simple things. And as I was looking around in the grocery store, I started to realize that, you know, a lot of the shelves are empty. For the first time, I have never seen the milk section so empty. At one point, I thought, have they stopped producing 1% milk? The frozen section is empty. 
And I thought to myself, do you know what? This potentially, and I don't know exactly, but I asked myself, is this what it's like to live from a food bank? Because normally you have the opportunity to go and choose whatever you want in great abundance from the grocery store. But right now, the shelves are so empty because you had all of this panic and fear and this hoarding of groceries that now you can't just go and get what you want. You can't just go and choose from 50 different kinds of pasta. The grocery store that we shop at has no pasta. Nothing on the shelves. They've been empty for over a week. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself said, I will never desert you, nor I will never forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper and I'll not be afraid. What will man do to me? We'll look at a couple cross-references in a minute. But I have to tell you that my mom and I, we, we went to Home Depot because my dad had asked, he said, if I get out of the hospital, when I get out of the hospital, I want to have a shower that has a handicap bench in it that I can walk in and I don't have to step over the tub. And so we said, you know what, we'll get that done for you and we'll make sure it's all in place before you get out of the hospital. So we went to Home Depot and we were trying to buy the shower stall and all that. And the lady from Home Depot said, uh, sorry, it has been so crazy here and so crazy busy that all I've been doing is been selling freezers for the last three hours. We do not have a single freezer or fridge in this entire store that is not sold. Every one of them sold out in three hours. Do you see what the world is doing? The world is in panic. The world is hoarding food. They're going out and buying freezers to make sure that they have 14 days worth of food in case they get quarantined. The most amazing thing is happening with some friends that you would know, Derek and Jody Lee Kamink. Derek, who used to work for us, is now living in Stonewall, Manitoba. And they have made themselves available to show the love of the brethren and show hospitality to others by being people who will go to grocery stores and pick things up for people and drop them at their house. Not hoarding. Not having this love of getting all kinds of stuff and putting it all into place but living out the gospel and the doctrine that they know and showing love to the others. This is the time where everybody panics. What's happening with the economy? I need to hold on to what I have. Churches scrambling right now because the corporate body is not together and therefore ties are not happening the same way they were happening before. I want to encourage you that if you're listening to this, that you continue to support the local church with, with your givings. Find ways to give online. 
Use Canada Helps if you have to. Continue to support Precept in the way that you're supporting Precept, but ensure that you're giving to the church as well. Don't fall into the temptation of holding all of these things onto yourself and holding onto them tightly. Be content with what you have. The world is watching us in how we respond and live out the truth of the gospel. If we hold everything too tightly and not do things for others and serve and sacrifice for others, the world is watching us. Listen to the promises that come from the scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord, your God, is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. The author of Hebrews pointing back to Deuteronomy 31, 6. Psalm 118, 6 and 7 says, The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. And listen to the, how the author of Hebrews uses this in verse 6. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Do we really believe and understand that the Lord will provide for all of our needs? Even in the midst of a crushing economy right now. I can't remember the last time the Canadian dollar was hovering at 70 cents. I can't remember a time when so many people were out of work at one time that the employee, employment insurance website and group cannot keep up with the demands. Every single one of the daycare workers within our building has been laid off. Businesses will crumble. Small business will crumble at this. None, nobody prepared for what's happening. But do we believe that God will never leave us and forsake us, that he will provide everything we need? As believers, that's the promise that comes from the word of God, and therefore we need to live out that doctrine. So don't hoard, don't become greedy, and don't fall for the love of money. We need to trust in God. We honor God through trusting in him and being content. The fourth way that we honor God is that we honor God in remembering those who brought the truth to us. Remember those who led you, verse 7, who spoke the word of God to you and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The author of Hebrews is directly pointing to the author who has gone before them. That the person who brought the message and the truth, it's quite possible, we don't know who the author is, whether uh, the person who brought the gospel to them has died and is out of the picture now. Uh, Peter, he said in his uh, letters that I write these letters as a way of reminder 
to bring to sincere mind the truth. Uh, he wrote that uh, after he was gone, that people would be able to bring to mind the truth of the gospel. This is what he's calling us to, and he's saying in this passage that, you know what, leaders, teachers, come and go. But remember the truth that they brought to you. Remember the gospel that came to you. I continue to go back and think of 1 Thessalonians and how Paul brought the gospel to them. That when he brought the gospel to them, that they brought, came to full conviction through the power of the Holy Spirit, that they imitated Paul, that they imitated Silvanus and Timothy, and they imitated the Lord. Remember those teachers who have gone before you. Remember the doctrine that they laid down for you, and don't forget that doctrine. Live by that doctrine. And remember, no matter what other teaching comes around, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. One commentator said that Jesus, uh, in verse 8, that Jesus is the same yesterday, pointing to the very fact that he died and he suffered on the cross, that today he is our high priest, and that forever he lives to intercede on our behalf. That Jesus doesn't change. Uh, hang on to that truth in the midst of all of this craziness that's going on in the world. That his promises are true. That what he says, what the Lord says, comes to, comes to fruition. And we can hang on to that, knowing what he has done for us on the cross and the position that we are now in because of his blood. The final thing that we want to remember is that we can honor God by remaining in the truth. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by a high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. For we do not have a lasting city but we are seeking a city which is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Uh, that is the fruit of the lips and give thanks to his name. Do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, please God. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over you and your souls who will give account. Let them do this without joy. And not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Um, what, the, what the author of Hebrews is pointing to is that we, we need to remain in the truth. You see, one of the teachings that was coming up against them to challenge them was legalism. 
moving back into the law for the purposes of salvation. These are the things that you need to do in order to live and please God. Uh, Specifically, in Hebrews 13, it was pointing to food laws and how food is treated and taken care of and what should be eaten and what should not be eaten. But overall, all of this points back to don't get stuck in legalism. Listen to what um, Romans 14, 17 says. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so uh, nothing about our salvation results in what is eating, but it is by the joy and the peace of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Listen to 1 Corinthians 8, verse 8. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. So this is not about food that brings about salvation. As we walk through the entire book of Hebrews, we know that salvation comes by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus that we are saved. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Legalism doesn't save. And this is what the author is pointing to. And so we are going to honor God in the way that we live by remaining in the truth. The author says, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Some believe that this altar uh, they're referring to is the teaching of the legalistic Jews was that, hey, we have this altar that we sacrifice on and therefore we are doing right before God and our sins are atoned for. The author of Hebrews says, we have an altar and that altar is Jesus Christ and we go before the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ and therefore we are saved. Uh, not a physical altar, but we have Jesus as the altar, and that's how we approach Jesus. The call for us is not to um, continue to go to the tabernacle, uh, which is no longer there. Edit. The call for us is not to look for the present city that is there, but to look for the heavens that are coming. This is what Peter tells us. Look for and hope for the coming of the kingdom of God. This is what we are to do, is we are to live in a manner worthy of Christ, walk in his way, looking for the future. We honor God by remaining in the truth of his word. You see, this is why this is so vital for this time. Everything around us is negative. If you watch the news regarding this virus, you will see hundreds of thousands of people that are infected by this virus. The pictures that are coming out of Italy are heartbreaking to see these people laying on their stomachs Because it's the only way that they can continue to breathe and live. 
everything about this world right now is so sad. It, it sucks hope away when we look at what's going on around us. It can put us into a depression and an anxiety and a worry about what's going to come of the day. Will I get the virus? Will I live? Will family members of mine, will they die? This is the same struggles that my family is going through. Will my father die alone in the hospital? It's my mother's greatest fear right now. But hang on to the truth. Live in the truth. The day my father went into the hospital with his heart attack and his difficulty breathing, I left the room to get lunch and he looked at my mother and he said, I'm ready to go to heaven. Think about that. Why would Christians live in fear and worry why would they live in a way where they're not content with what they have and they're holding on to all of the things of this world when our greatest desire is that we would be living in the truth of what we know and looking for the new heavens and the new earth? What if we were to contract this virus and live with it and it took our lives? Well, where would we be? We would be in heaven with Jesus Christ. Yes, it would be so sad for our people, for our families. It'd be so sad for my family to grieve the loss of my father. But where would he be? In heaven. You see, we have to live in the truth that we are saved. Now think through the entire book of Hebrews as we wrap up. What has he been telling us? Let us draw near with confidence. We have this great high priest, Jesus, who intercedes on our behalf. We have this new promise, this new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. We have confidence to come before the throne of God because of Jesus we have a new heavens and a new earth and a new city that we are pursuing because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus sits at the right hand of God and he mediates on our behalf. He says to the Father, that one is mine. He has been washed in my blood. He can enter into your presence. When we hang on to those truths, it's going to change the way we live. We are automatically going to want to love others. We are going to want to bleed Jesus Christ to others. We are going to want to remember the less fortunate and those who are in prison. We are going to want to share the gospel. We are going to want to give away our resources. We are going to want to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. 
I want to leave you with Thessalonians again. Is your faith going out wherever you go? That no one has to say anything to you. This is the challenge in these difficult times. This is what the author of Hebrews is telling us. Honor God by loving others. Honor God in your marriage relationships. Honor God in trusting and being content. Honor God in remembering those who have preached the truth to you by living out that truth. And honor God by remaining in it. Don't waver. Don't be shaken by what's happening around you. Honor God in the truth. And live like you've been washed by the blood of Christ. Not like those others in Hebrews who said they were saved but walked away. Let me tell you that this is what we need to do specifically in this day and age with this virus that's going on around us. I have been so overjoyed at the emails that I have received from people and the messages that I've gotten from our E-team people. And you know, one message stands out for me. One out of the many. And it is this. Wow. You are living out the word of God in the way that you respond to your circumstances. The president of our board said to me this week, you are handling this very well. I am so thankful for those encouraging words because it would be hypocritical of me to come on in a podcast like this and challenge from the word of God to live out in the midst of difficult circumstances and not do it myself. I'm telling you, it is not easy. But it can be done. There have been moments where I have laid in my bed and I have had tears in my eyes about the situations that are going on around us. But in those times, I beg God to show me he is working. And God continues to show me that he is at work in this country and even in our family. To see all of these Bible study leaders taking their studies online. God is working. The gospel is going out. To see the small growth in my father's recovery. And he is not out of the woods by any means. But to see the small gains. God is working. God answers prayer. God is truth. Hang on to that truth and live in that truth and honor him. People are watching. People want to see how Christians respond. People want to see how Christians respond when their churches are not considered essential services. There's nothing more essential right now than the word of God. We've got to get it out there. We just have to be creative in the way we do it. So know that you listeners, I am praying for you. I'm praying for you. I don't know all of you, but I'm praying for you that 
you would use this message to go out and live in a way that honors God. That you would be an example to all the believers. That you would carry the description that Paul gave of that church in Thessalonians using the commands that come from Hebrews 13. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he sustain you in the midst of this. May he bless you and encourage you. May you see him at work. In the name of Jesus, amen.